Hi, I'm TJ. And I'm Joseph. And this is Hi-Fi. Hey, TJ. Hi, I'm coming to you from my closet for the second, not the second week, because it's been more than a week since we recorded, but the second time, yeah. second recording in a row. And, and we're, we're late Draper's, recording again. Draper's Sound Studio. That's right. Yes. It's it's much quieter in here. And I really, the sound ergonomics are, or the acoustics, not ergonomics, ergonomics are physical, but the sound acoustics are so much better because of all the clothing. So I just, I've, I think this is where I'm recording now. It's just Yeah, it's thing. the recording studio first and the closet second for all the clothing. Yeah, 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 totally. It, it takes a little more work because I'm not up in the closet normally. I don't have a desk set up in here, so I have to I have to bring my TV tray up here. And then I want enough. I want to spread out my windows and stuff so that I have I can see all of our show notes and, and our things. So I have to bring my my display that floats around. It's, you it's have not to take some of the clothes out to make room for all the show notes. Yeah. Well, I haven't. It hasn't come to that, but um, and I do bring a lamp up here because the closet has the fluorescent, you know, the the blue fluorescent lamps or lights at the on the ceiling, and it's just not a good environment. So I bring I bring a floor lamp up here that has a normal, you know, light kind of feel. Yeah, you so. remember when closets had normal household lights like all the rest of the house did? That would, that's so nice. Oh, yeah. Those are the golden days. Yes, I miss those days. <sighs> So that's where I'm recording from, but nobody cares about that, do they? We should no. talk about some of our topics, Joe. You put the first one in here. Why don't you tell us about it? Yes. So The Verge, if you've heard of this little tech news website. A little upstart they, tech website. Uh-huh. They, every now and then they come up with something new, and they're promoting a documentary called Springboard. And it's available by way of using one of their apps that streams video. So if you have an Apple TV or a Roku, you download their Verge app and then you could get a hold of their documentary. But they have a trailer for their documentary on YouTube and I saw it and it was fascinating. Because you'd think a documentary called Springboard to do with smartphones uh, with a subtitle, The Secret History of the First Real Smartphone, that it might have to do with BlackBerry or they would attribute the first real smartphone to the iPhone, and they would only be telling us everything we already know. But then, no, we're actually talking about all these unheard of pl- uh, people in the industry. So they had uh, interesting people I've never heard of, TJ, that were, you know, founders of the smart mo- the smartphone movement, and it looks intriguing. Did you check out the trailer? I did, and I actually uh, know uh, or, or know of uh, at least Jeff Hawkins and Ed Colligan, um, who were, and, and I didn't know who Donna was, but um, I did watch the trailer. I actually added this documentary to my list of things to watch. So the the trailer, you know, kind of gives you the hint, but you start researching. So they founded these guys founded the company Handspring, which then merged. So and they came from Palm and they founded Handspring, and then they merged back into Palm and they created the um, the Palm OS. Um, and the, which then, a lot uh, of our culture appreciate if they're familiar with Palm devices. Well, Palm OS had a long and storied mm-hmm. life for sure. And, um, and, and it ultimately wound up with the, I think the most famous phone that came from this line is the Treo. Um, my boss for years had a Treo. I was planning on getting one right, but not long, like about a year, I'd say a year, year and a half before the iPhone came out, I was talking about getting a Treo, like I, maybe about a year. Oh, I was really? like, I think, huh. I, I think I need to get a Treo. Um, cause I, 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 you know, I don't need it, but it would be nice to be able to, you know, 
to have a full keyboard and to text people and to check my email and to be able to browse the web. All the things we do now and take for granted with our smartphones. It'd be nice to do these things. And, and the Palm, you know, they were the forerunners in this. And I, you know, um, I think they merged, you know, they merged back, this company Handspring merged back with Palm. And then I think Palm is, was just became less and less, they were more and more inept as time went on and obviously got trounced because they didn't really continue that vision. But they had the initial vision for the future and, and they just didn't carry through with it. You see this sometimes with, with companies yeah. where they, they jump in, they've got the vision for the future, but then they fail to continue innovating. Um, and, and Apple even found themselves in that boat throughout the 90s, right? Where yeah. they had the vision for the personal computer and then they just sort of, languished and grew tepid and and did not continue that vision. Now, thankfully, they re-grabbed that vision, both for the personal computer and on into other industries like the iPod, which led us to the iPhone and and the the, the wearables and the watch. But but Palm, of course, went under. They they did not continue that train. But So this is a very interesting looking documentary, according to the trailer, and I have added it to my list of things to watch. It is available now to watch. Yeah, and it, this is not something that the tra- the documentary talks about, but I remember coming across this information, I think, by way of Jim Dalrymple several years ago that Apple was talking about designing something like an iPad as early as the 80s that in uh, some sort of yeah. press conference or the like, Steve Jobs described a computer being book-like and you could open it up in your hands and manage the screen. Uh, I, I thought that was fantastic. Just really interesting that as early as the 80s that they were thinking that far ahead for the computers when in an era that the personal computer was still really new as this desktop thing that they were marketing. Every every company that was making computers were not thinking like that yet. But yeah. so far ahead of their time. And then I remember when going through some of the Apple history about the iPhone that uh, didn't they talk about, I think it was at the time frame when they were thinking about a touchscreen device that internally the hardware designers were actually thinking first about a iPad-like device before Jobs pr- promoted to the top of the priorities, let's work on an, uh, a phone device first. Yeah, so they initial, their initial concept was a more iPad-like device, and they had developed a lot of stuff already for the iPad. Uh, iOS was initially, believe it or not, I, I, fi- I, I find it a little hard to believe given how iOS doesn't adapt to the iPad as well as we would like. But initially, their thought was an iPad. And then Steve Jobs said that there's so much potential here for a handheld personal device, we should do that first. And that was, of course, the right call, as history has proven. But, but famously, I think what's interesting, especially looking at this trailer, and I remember this, when Steve Jobs said, as far as we can see into the future, the hub of everybody's life, digital life, will be the personal computer. And so that's the oh, way right. we're going. Yeah. Do you remember this? But Steve said it on stage, and they that, that's the way they developed their products. Like the iPad, the iPod was, was always paired with and connected to and synced with the personal computer. Now, they did wind up opening up the iPod to not just Macs, but Windows. And that, of course, allowed the iPod to grow. And arguably, that one decision has led Apple to the success that they have. Because if they hadn't, they would never have had the success that they've had, and they wouldn't have made the iPhone. But, but, they, but they did have this concept of, the, of these devices. Even when the iPhone first came out, it was a satellite 
of the uh, the Mac, and it's laughable now. I I don't think of my devices as, sa- as satellites of the one true you know personal computer. I think of them <laughs> all as devices in their own right that integrate together. Obviously, they connect to all connect to the same accounts and cloud services and and things, but they are standalone devices. The, the, I suppose the watch is a satellite of the phone, right. but but in general, each of these devices, the iPad, the personal computer, the the phone, they're all individual individual devices. And I think this trailer reveals that these people had this this right first. You know, they obviously again didn't follow through with it, but it's very interesting. And you know, Apple has always been a company that takes concepts that others started that n- I can't think of an original concept that Apple has had that has been successful. Um, that that but but you look at all the stuff that is successful and it's it's not that they were first to market with these it's that they said oh look at that but we can do it the Apple way you know the the computer yeah. you know the personal computer you know the, all the stuff that they learned from Xerox Park and stuff Steve Jobs goes that's the future that's what we're doing and then the iPhone of course is building on the legacy of the Palm Trio really and and all the stuff that was done with Handspring and then later Palm and and the watch like they weren't first to, the, to wearables either you know these they're things that Apple said we can do this and we can do it better so yep. it's, it's an interesting thing and i'm really interested in this documentary it does look fun now this is a, another thing that you put into our discussion outline you wanted to review the microsoft S- surface laptop studio that's a mouthful <laughs> yeah it is so, so, uh-huh. like apple microsoft is bad at naming things just in different ways um i didn't want to review it so much as talk about the uh, the product video and just for for the little behind the scenes stuff here we put both of these things in the show notes many weeks month, months ago I don't remember yeah. now um, but then of course stuff kept happening and they just yeah, kept getting pushed really down to, so, to talk about so I don't know how old this ad is now but this is an ad um, we're gonna it's gonna be in the show notes for the new the, the quote new uh, the, it was, the video was posted on September twenty second but it's the Surface Laptop Studio. And this was before Apple announced and released their M1 MacBooks, which I am uh, MacBook Pros, which I am of course now using one. Um, so some of my complaints with Apple are a little moot, but but some of them are not. Like you, did you watch the video recently, Joe? Yeah, I, I rewatched it again this morning. I love the design of the of the Surface Laptop Studio. I just I love huh. it. I'm absolutely in love with it. So what do you uh, what do you say that are you comparing it to Apple or just your own sensibilities? So in in some ways it certainly is a very Apple looking laptop. Like if you just look at the top of it it looks like an aluminum slab. Now what I do like what they've done and and some of this is by uh, necessity but I, I guarantee you this thing has more cooling capacity than Apple's laptops cuz look at all the they're, they're not like <laughs> yeah. but if you go to about 35 seconds in in the video and look at the 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 you know the inlet for all the the air they can get in there. Like it's just it's designed to be powerful. Now of course Apple's designed chips that don't need a lot of cooling and and the new lap, Apple laptops even have more cooling than the old ones, but I bet you this one has more cooling capacity even than that. But but that aside, so you've got that aspect just from a purely um uh, what's the word where it's a utilitarian aspect, you know, they've got the design going there, but then to look at the laptop, if you just, you know, I'm, I'm scrolling through the video here, looking at various like images of it. And it's just a really fantastic looking laptop, but then it looks like an average laptop. And then all of a sudden at about one minute into the video, the user peels back, kind of, kind of pushes back and then pulls the screen towards them. And, and now this touch screen 
goes into a more like iPad-like mode. And so you can now have it like it's on a, a, a kind of a, a, a stand where you've, you know, I do this with my iPad all the time, where I've got this third-party stand that kind of, it's, it's got, a, so it's sort of like a kickstand, but it's still on the laptop base. So it's kind of like this hybrid concept. And it, it's, 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 I just find that really compelling because one of my complaints about watching movies on a laptop is it feels like there's a whole lot of real estate between me and the screen, uh, especially hmm. if I'm watching, not, not so much personally if it's on my lap, but if I'm trying to push, position it so that it's easy for both me and my wife uh, on a couch or in bed mm, or something yeah. like that to watch something, then there's a lot of real estate in the way. And the iPad is better, but it doesn't have as good a sound as the laptop. So that's, that's frustrating. But this sort of mitigates that problem by, you know what, we're just going to position this over the keyboard and now the whole base becomes a stand, a kickstand for your, for your screen. And in addition, of course, and this is again my long-standing complaint with Apple making this hard divide, we don't put touch screens on the Mac. Well, why not? Because then you go, you, you scroll into the video further, let's say 112, 113, and you're looking at a, it, you've got the screen laid all the way down and later on in the video, or, or just a couple seconds later, you've got somebody drawing on this uh, Surface Studio, do you do you know what the size of this display is? Is this a fourteen inch? Uh, Looks like it could be. It, yeah, fourteen point four. So it's just slightly mm-hmm. larger than the screen on my M1 MacBook Pro. I have a friend who is an illustrator. Like he illustrates things. It's what he does, and he loves the Mac. He loves the iPad, and there's even some drawing apps on the iPad that he likes. But when he gets serious about real work, he uses his Surface equipment because Microsoft has taken this. Do you remember when creatives used Macs? Well, Mm -hmm. when he gets serious about work, he now uses Windows and he hates it, but also they have the tools for him to get work done. Apple doesn't. And it's just, I find it frustrating, even though I think Apple's made great strides and very happy with where they're at for me. Uh, I would still love to have a touchscreen. Like, why am I, because I have to use a Mac, why am I punished that I can't use a touchscreen? That's what I find frustrating with Apple right now. I, I just, I love what Microsoft is doing here. Now, obviously, I've been in the Windows world recently. I'm back to the Mac world exclusively. I haven't used Windows in months, uh, maybe even a year. Uh, no, it's been like nine months um, since I've used Windows. So I'm, I'm, really, I'm really committed to the Mac world, and I like Mac OS. I just feel like Apple has room to grow here. As John Syracuse says, no, nothing is so perfect that it can't be um, crit- criticized. Um, you, so hypercritical, it's kind of his brand. But I'm kind of with him on that, in that this is an area that I think Apple needs to re-examine, and they continually seem to not be interested in re-examining it. And it's hard to argue with success, right? Because, of course, yeah. Apple uh, is making money hand over fist. They're one of the most profitable companies on the planet. But I, I wish that they would take a look at this and say, how can we... How can we do this? I think there's something here, and I think Apple is stubbornly refusing to see it. It also looks like it's just the way that laptops are going to go in general. Like you would expect these to become the features that all the laptop lines will have in the year 2030. You know, you'd expect them to be able to be have touch screens, to be foldable, to be functionally a notebook computer as well as a a tablet device i don't know if i would exactly call it portable so a downside for this sort of thing obviously is if it has a hinge on that screen so that it doesn't detach from the base of the computer where all the brains of the computer are along with the keyboard and trackpad that display is dumb it doesn't detach and become a uh, a tablet like device like the ipad 
but they could, I can see them getting there where it's just as effective where, when it's attached to the, the base, uh, maybe it's wirelessly using the guts of the computer in the base while you're holding it freehand. So let me tell you about other laptops that, that Microsoft has made that do this. Um, now, so there is a computer. So, so this, this is a more, it's a little bit more like, so you've got a tablet. So the screen itself is a lot heavier um, because it has components in there to function standalone, but then you can attach it to the base and get more power, a, a bigger GPU, a bigger battery. And so that laptop exists. I think that technology has a little ways to go. I, there's something compelling about it, but and I think there's a, a world of future there. Um, it's not quite ready yet, but Apple, Microsoft does make those laptops as well. This one is the one I think that I, that I want right at the moment, but I can see the future being exactly what you say because it's it already exists. Yeah, and it'll all go that way. Like that's where all yeah. the technology would be in five years. I don't understand why Apple's dragging their feet on this. They could jump into this market and own it. I think they really could own it if they were in, if they were serious about it. And they're just they're just like eh, uh, we maybe don't they're too it. busy just trying to get air power to work. Yeah, well, that's I guess I guess, and and so you could you could argue. I think it's a poor argument. You could, and people will argue. Uh, you know, uh, John, John famously, John Gruber says Apple should never put a touchscreen on a Mac. I completely disagree. And his argument is you have to be hyper focused, and and Apple needs to focus. Well, in my opinion, this is their core. This is the co- core competency. iPads and Macs. Apple's really good at them. Why can't they be good at them both at the same exact in the same machine? <laughs> it's just, I don't understand. Yeah, well, and I think it's it's this idea that at present. We think that uh, hyper-focus would mean that you actually need multiple computers that are unitaskers. You know, the yeah. iPad does everything and, that's touch-worthy. Yeah. Well, and, and I, I, it's just frustrating because I like my – I love my iPad. And there are things I use it for. It's a great, you know, portable device. Um but but it's not powerful enough for it to be the only device I take. And, and a hybrid like this would – be really fantastic. Whereas right now, I feel like I'm taking my iPad and my laptop whenever I go somewhere because, you know, if I'm traveling, because I'm, if I want to watch something, you know, or I want light computing and I want to be able to touch the screen, well, that's the iPad. But if I need to get work done, I got to pull out my computer and that just makes my bag heavy. And, and a device like this could, could you know, I, I just, I feel like this is more what I want. Yeah, it'd be like saying that um, you know, I think that eventually the devices wind up being able to handle most features most of the time. Mm-hmm. So it's even possible to get a, uh, you know, your children an Apple watch and have a phone number on it so that they don't actually have a personal phone because you don't want them doing phone like things, but you want to still be able to have the ability to reach them with the phone calls as need be. Yeah. So you have a watch that can manage phone calls. And yeah. so why can't the the Mac computer handle all of the things that the iPad users would use the iPad for, except maybe the portability stuff again, because I, I can I can see a future where you can detach the screen and it has uh, all the power. But then um, at the same time, it's I, I, my brain hasn't even caught up to like I uh, it, once the Mac has all of the features of an iPad, well, then it it would theoretically dry up the reason to even offer iPads, right? If it can handle it all, 
Sure, and I suppose that there's some like with me, it's double dipping. Where Apple's like, well, we'll just we'll just get in by both devices. But but Apple, I think, has never been afraid and con- should continue to not be afraid to cannibalize their own products because that's how you stay on top. When you become protectionist about your products, that's when you start going under. We've seen this with many companies over the years where they've got the one product and they're going to defend it with their life. And instead, they they should have been you know cannibalizing their own products and 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 really just uh, you know usurping them themselves, and then they stay on top as a company, not their one specific product. And I think Apple has an opportunity to do this here, and they've continued to be not interested. Now, you know, this is just what I want, and I what I also think is a potential for the future as far as you know working professionals such as myself. But Apple could be right. I don't know. I I don't think they are. And I'm I'm worried about that, but I'm also just it's also a personal like want. This is what I want, and I want Apple to do it because I feel like they'd get it more right, you know. Even though th- this looks fine, and I'm sure I'd be very happy with it, but it's also Windows, and it's just not quite up to the same standards of Mac OS. Yeah, one thing I thought about just this model in the video example is that it would probably make most people happy to have that flexibility that it can work like a tablet. Mm -hmm. It has Mm -hmm. Microsoft's design sensibility, which is distinct, but similar to Apple quality hardware. But if you do look at the thing, if you were to type with it and use the trackpad, it does appear to be a kind of thick keyboard or base to the to this laptop. Sure, well, so Apple recently it, thickened up the base of their, their Mac M1 MacBook Mac, Mac Pros, so, you know. <laughs> yeah, but thick even th- for that. So it mm. has like a very straight edge on the uh, where your wrists would be. I yeah, can see I don't that know that it's as thick as you think it is. I, I think mm-hmm. the top area is thinner than you think it is. It could be. It's, yeah. it's hard to gauge because you have the grills on both sides. If you see this, it's got a lot of grilling. Yeah. I need to get to a Microsoft store and, and take a look at one of these just so I can get a feel for how thick that is. But I I, I like I love the design of this thing. I, it does I think look it's a good. F- fantastic looking device, and if, and I feel like it's a pretty well made device. Now, of course, the problem that a lot of manufacturers are going to be having as we move forward is reliance upon Intel, which is more looking more and more desperate as as Apple just. It just trounces them. Yeah. Um, it's just incredible what this this M1 MacBook Pro is capable of. It's just incredible. Yeah, and we want the best competition that we possibly can get for Apple because it makes Apple better and it makes the competition better. Mm-hmm. And so the competition was going this direction, and now they have to play catch up with all their their processing power. Ooh, that's yeah, that's a big task for them. So Apple has nothing to worry about for the next several years. As far, yeah, and that's the thing. Like as much as I love the, the industrial design of this and the ideas that they have, Apple has the edge in the places that I care about. So that's I'm going to be sticking with them and and you know continuing to push them and wish they would also do some of these other things. But the this you know I was telling. So I of course have my work laptop, which is a 2019, and my personal laptop, which is now the 2021 M1, and I do all the same stuff on them. My M1 MacBook Pro is 100% silent running. I never have not yet heard the fan. I even Joe, I, I thought I want to hear this fan. So I took <laughs> a video, a long video, and I cranked up the highest, like most hardest encoding setting I could find in Handbrake, which is very good at maxing out the cores. And I I opened up the Activity Monitor to make sure, and sure enough, just like a just like on the Intel Max, Handbrake maxes out the cores on the M1 MacBook Pro. And I let it go for 30 minutes, never heard the fan. I don't think wow. this thing ever needs to run the fan. <laughs> I, I just don't. 
it's just so silent and it's so good and the computer is so responsive and it's just so fast. Um, yeah, the, I, I will definitely be sticking with the M1 or, or whatever Apple will release in the future. I, I, like I said, I hope to have this laptop for years. So, Oh, yeah. That's exciting to hear. Oh, man, that is a lot of power. So that's got to be your favorite of the year, I would imagine, your favorite oh. tech purchase. Oh, for sure. I can't think of another tech. I, it may be my favorite tech purchase of all time at this point. Well, we, yeah. you know, unless unless it has a serious breakdown in the next year or two, I, I just can't imagine anything displacing it in the past. It is. It's just so good. Uh, it's it, it has made me, you know, you know me. I, I drifted away from the Mac a little. I was frustrated with Apple, and and I think right. I still think rightly so. I think Apple was floundering with their their laptops through, through in their Mac line through the 2016, oh, yeah. 17, 18 been. era since 2015. Yeah, yeah. I, I they've really been floundering, and and I was really frustrated. This computer has, and and I was already back on Mac OS because like I decided there's just nothing any better out there. But this has made me fall in love with the Mac again. In in a way, I haven't been in love with the Mac probably since my PowerBook G4. Um, it, it really is just a computer that makes me enjoy doing what I do. And it, it makes me enjoy my digital life so much. I, I, I just can't think of anything that has made me happier digitally in a long time. I keep hearing great things about the display, too. Does it keep oh, rocking... It's so good. I wish I was using it more because I'm at my yeah. desk a lot, uh, and I do find excuses to be like, "Oh, I can go sit at the, I can go sit at the couch for this little thing that I'm doing." It's so good. It's so good. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I I really think the future is bright in all the regards. The the one thing it's not like we actually want a MacBook to look more like this Surface Studio. It's just we love the idea of having yeah. the 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 tablet like features on a Mac. Yeah, I just think that Microsoft here is doing really interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. And I and and I wish that Apple would be like, "Hey, we should do in those interesting things too or interesting things like them or we should we should compete with them, you know, on these things too." And that way, but I I guess, you know, success hides problems and they're having a lot of success. Everybody's in love with the Mac again as am I. Um, so we may not see it for a while. I don't know. I I just worry about it and it's thing it, it's stuff that I want, so yeah, a little footnote to something you were saying earlier about what Steve Jobs had to say about using a touchscreen on a Mac. I do agree with what you were saying and what Jobs was saying that you just don't, as a user experience, want to reach up and start tapping your Mac screen all that much. Well, and that's why Microsoft has solved that problem with the way they've implemented the screen. Yeah. It, when you go into that mode, it's changing modes. Yeah, you're you're repositioning the display. You're not using it upright at an awkward angle with your fingertip. Yeah. You're you're bringing it down like a tablet, like a lunch tray, like yeah. a notepad, and then you're using the pen device. Yeah. yeah, or or your fingers or what have you. Yeah, actually, did they even show somebody using their fingers in that that ad? I saw their cool. I don't pencil. think they did in the ad, but but the mm-hmm. Surface la- laptops and the Surface tablets and things, all running Windows, have been you know capacitive, you know, full capacitive touch for years. So, okay, yeah. Well, then moving on to we have actually several little well, little topics. Just uh, sm- I don't know that the mail one's going to be so little, Joe. We might be out of time by the time <laughs> we get done with that. So, Joe, you okay. you want to talk about mail apps? Yeah, we've been thinking about this a lot lately, and I started field testing some of the 
the email apps that people talk about on their Apple devices because uh, I've been using Spark Mail for a long time without mm-hmm. question, uh, very happy with it. But then as mm-hmm. time's gone on, I had mm-hmm. noticed that Spark doesn't really change all that much. It doesn't uh, introduce uh, features that fi- compel me back to my, my mail application to toy with it and use it in new and interesting ways. But it is still very user-friendly. It is well-organized. It's good for organizations and for collaborative work, but also for the single user. And I just didn't question it. And and my wife likes it too. So that's saying a lot that it's just user-friendly across the board for different kinds of use cases. But then... Every now and then we hear, you know, Apple does introduce new mail features uh, with every new edition of iOS or macOS. And it, being a native app, I wanted to give it a fair shake again. But then I also know that there's multiple app developers that are trying to make the the quintessential quality experience for a Gmail application. You know, a, a an application where you can get gmail done really well outside of the browser yeah and a lot of people swear by the browser but there's a lot of gmail users that would rather have a little bit more of a native like experience with gmail so they're looking for alternatives but then in our day and age you know we got our job email addresses which may or may not be uh google business related app uh, you know accounts you know in my case uh, for my workplace they give us a google business account and our email addresses are tied into the underpinnings of gmail how about you tj or do y'all have some sort of free roaming email account system or are y'all tethered to something like that so this is the, the my current job is the first job I've been at ever. No, that's not true. The job that I had uh, in my, my like my my film job, we we had our own. Uh, you could connect with IMAP, but it was we. I actually was in charge of the servers at one point. So uh, or the the situations, and we had uh, you know anyway. So that was but but after it's that, been a while. every place that I've been at has been G Suite or whatever they're calling it these days. They keep rebranding it. Uh, the Google for work or Google business. I don't remember, but, but the, it's Google, but for business with your own domains and stuff. And this is what, this is actually what I use for my email, um, is, uh, for my, uh, buzzing pixel email is G suite or Google apps or Google work or oh, I don't geez, they keep changing that the names, so, that thing. So, uh, and, and, and there's a reason of course, uh, so does, well, let me, before I get there, um, my current job uses, uh, outlook stuff. It's all Microsoft outlook and all that stuff. Now I can connect spark to it and that's great. And so I don't have to, I, oh, Open Outlook the app once in a while, but mostly I'm using Spark now and and Fantastical for my calendaring. Yeah, I'm not a fan of Outlook in general. Have you tried to it's use gotten, that in recent years? It's gotten years? better. It's gotten better. Um, it's still a little cluttery. It's still a very Microsoftian app. Uh, mm-hmm. Old old Microsoft, not new Microsoft. It doesn't have the new design languages and stuff that, that I find better about Microsoft. But it's fine. It, it's workable. I just enjoy other apps better. Um, now, so Gmail. There's a reason why everybody is 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 using Gmail. So, I I tend to use apps, but Gmail is perfectly usable on the web. Now, the design, the the look and look of it. So, the usability of it is great. The look of it, I think Google has some room to improve there. Although it's gotten better and better over the years, but I do enjoy the native performance, the native integrations and things, and so I tend to use apps. Where all of these apps tend to fall down is search, as you would expect Google being Google, 
Gmail's search is second to none. You go on the web interface if you really want to find something, and so I do that right. all the time. Yeah. Um, well, when I when I can't find something with the meager search tools that these various apps offer, then I will go to the web interface of my personal mail. Okay. Uh, so to that aside, I, I do tend to use apps, and I, I've got my mail set up in, in all the various, well, in, in, in three various apps, let's say. I, I like Apple's Mail app in many ways, but Apple tends to – so first of all, it tends to be buggy. I'm looking at a bug right now in the <laughs> Apple Mail app that just – it's 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 a little like thorn in your side. It's not a usability issue. It just, it's a visual bug. There hmm. is at the bottom of my mail list a scroll bar. Yeah. Oh, Why? Oh, okay. Why? There's nothing – <laughs> it's a mail list. There's nothing I can do to change that. Why is there a scroll bar? And it, and it doesn't scroll. It's just there. It's just looking at me. It's a scroll bar that and it yeah, doesn't see, scroll. That shouldn't happen on a it native app as happen. old as mail. It, it shouldn't. But there's that's just an example. There's these little bugs that happen in mail all the time. So then there is the consistency issue. Um, uh, one of the features and the one I think the thing that keeps me on Spark is I can send a a I can link up an email to my to dos and to doist so that when I go to my to do and I can just have the simple do the thing and then if I need more details from the email I click the link right next to my do the thing because it's linked up with the email that I sent to it and it opens it up in spark and that's true whether i'm on ios ipad or mac if i made it on the mac but i open it on the ipad it'll open that email right up because it's got some internal id or a hash i don't know how it's doing it but it knows which email it is it's great mail is frustrating about this so you can actually this is a little known feature in mail for mac you can drag the the email into todoist and it will create a link but you can only do this on the Mac or on the iPad. You can't do it on the iPhone. And sometimes if you click on the link on your iPad in Todoist, it'll sometimes open the email and sometimes it won't. This all oh, depends on whether the this yeah. depends on whether the email has been cached or opened recently and so it's in the cache because the other thing that mail will do on iPad and iOS and, and on the Mac too is it's like, oh, you haven't looked at this email in a while and it's all online accounts, right? It's all integrated with IMAP and Gmail and all this stuff. So it'll just delete its cache and then that mail message as far as it knows doesn't exist. And so I'm just like, I can't, as much as I like the look and feel of the app on the Mac and on the iPad, I just can't make it work functionally. <laughs> Yes. So one of the things about the Apple Mail app is that design-wise, it's easy on the eyes. It's easy to uh, quickly at a glance find yes. what you're looking for. I love the look and feel of mm-hmm. Mail.app. And I, easy, unfortunately, yeah, we have to, to I, find what you're looking for. I hate calling it Mail.app, but if you say Mail, it's so generic. So yeah. Mail.app. <laughs> um, We're saying that with a capital M. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I, I just find I find the look and feel of it great. I just find the bugs and the lack of integrations frustrating. Another um, another frustration I've always had, TJ, is that when I'm managing my email in Spark, I like to be able to use the swipes on the list view so that I can swipe to the left or right for archiving and deleting and pinning and marking as unread. But if I'm using Apple's they have a, a ability to swipe to delete or swipe to archive, but it's inconsistent depending on what kind of mail message mm. from what kind of service you have. So in some cases, it will only let you delete or it will only let you archive. And then if you're going to do the other commands, you've got to open the message and go to a place there to archive it or delete it. 
and so it, it takes extra taps on those messages, but you never really are thinking about which message is going to require the one or the other. And in Spark, it those swipe functionalities with my thumb are just go ahead and give me uh, both of them all the time because some messages always get deleted and some of them are archived and I'm the, going to be the arbiter who decides which is which for these emails, not the application. Yeah. So uh, I, I, Apple could have solved that a long time ago. They introduced the swipe to the left and right for deleting messages and archiving messages, but they don't support giving you both at the same time in a consistent way. Well, and here's here's another thing I just discovered because I don't use mail often on the Mac, but I'm you can use the trackpad 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 to swipe. Well, I was confusing you can call swipe it the trackpad track. too. Yeah, because want, it's the but... trackpad because you're swiping and tracking anyway. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, you can use the trackpad to swipe left or right, but but you cannot configure the actions that happen on swipe, and the actions are different than on the iPad. So you can swipe to the if you're swiping from left from right to left that's a swipe left right correct (laughs) yeah so if you swipe left you can delete or if you swipe right from right from left to right you can mark as unread i don't see an archive action here and as far as i can tell you can't configure the actions like you can in spark so like what i don't i don't even understand anyway i don't understand why that's a limitation that you can't customize yeah Yeah. so i'm i'm hitting quit on mail.app right now One of the other things I appreciate in Spark over Mail.app is that Spark has a way of cleaning up the emails that have a little inconsistent design so Mm. that they're more consistent and uniform from message to message to message. And this is one of the reasons I'm not a big fan of Outlook because whoever is sending me the email might be using a serif font or funny colors. And Spark, it does a better job of just making it all the same all the time when it can. Mm. I didn't notice that. And not messing around with the HTML emails like newsletters and uh, promotions but when i'm just doing other regular messages it it seems like um, for example a lot of the folks at the office are using custom email signatures but i know that everybody is using the same font sizes or the same fonts and when i'm in uh, mail and looking at their messages, everything just looks like a mess because it changes every time depending on who is sending the message. By the way, little rant, little screed. Can we just do away with this idea that we need to have signatures in our emails or disclaimers or compliances? Like <laughs> yes. every email, half or more of the emails filled uh. with your signature and the disclaimers. Like just, it's, it's just communication just send it yes just do, like, please so i just manually now i used to have signatures and things but i've just seen the light and all that it's just ridiculous and so my personal email or my personal slash business personal email uh i literally almost always just sign manually tj yeah and i think i'm the only one at the office so far who's cut on but i'm using a generic signature that just yeah. says dash 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 well we have a required Joseph signature Darnell. at work so well, and I use the required signature for any outgoing mess- emails to people outside the organization. Yeah, yeah. and no, nobody complains. Uh, but internally, please, yeah, don't use the, your overwhelmingly long <laughs> custom e- email signatures with images in them <laughs> and so links. I use Spark because it's the best, but there's I have issues <laughs> I want to talk well, about. Le- yeah, so go ahead and uh, hop over there because there, there is that question about it. Like, it, it, no pa- app is per- so perfect, it, you cannot criticize it. Well, and in fact, I would say Spark is actually not a great app. It's just an okay app. And there are just hmm. things. I, 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 I have design quibbles with this app. So first of really? all, the round icons, 
By the way, are you talking about them. on the Mac or the all, am, all the above? I'm looking at the Mac app right now. So, so okay. I think the apps are actually a little better. The app is a little better on the iPhone. The iPad I have a quibble with, which is I can't open a three-pane view. It's only ever in a two-pane. And you can click the thing that that slides over to view your email you know, uh, boxes, your, your mailboxes, your folders. But then as soon as you click anywhere else, that slides back over and goes away again. And it's just a bunch of wasted space. Like I want to be able to see it all the time because my iPad is big enough and wide enough for that. Uh, Spark is better on the phone, although one inconsistency that I find frustrating is if I don't get all the way over to the edge and I swipe to try to go uh, to, instead of going back to my inbox, it'll go to the next message, which I never, ever want. I want to go back to my list. So I find that a little frustrating. But overall, I would say the the iOS app is better looked looked after than the Mac app. Um, Probably. well, probably more users. Yes, I would say probably so. But but I I'm looking at the the uh, Mac app right now, and I just I don't like the round icons. They they don't feel Mac like. Like I'm gonna open Mail.app back up. Mm. Well, actually, I have MimeStream open here, so um, which is pretty much looks like Mail.app. So I like the visual design much better of the icons in MimeStream or Mail.app. Uh, which they don't even have borders, so there's no roundedness to them. They just have the 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 uh, pictures of you know like the trash can and the the, the glyphs. That's what I was looking for. Or the archive or the mail or the folder or the tag. I don't like and and then I cannot configure which of the buttons is here. And some the one that I use most often, which is to send to Todoist, is in in a you have to tap the the dot 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 to bring up a menu, and then you have to tap again. Like I'd like to just do that in one click, please. Um, so there, there are things, the biggest frustration I have, oh, I, I don't like, there's like this, this separation. So first you've got these tabs, smart and classic, never want smart, always want classic. Can I just make those tabs go away? That That's for your, your list view of your messages. Uh, and then there's wasted space because the search bar is also at the top of that. You could integrate that into the toolbar like mail.app or mindstream does over on the right side at the top of the toolbar there. And then the the, um, the mailboxes. Uh, I, this I is the really Mac prefer app. the search field to be over on the left hand side. Mm-hmm. Well, teach his own. Uh, so, and, and I actually wish that like the Finder would move it over there as well. Why? And the, think, the thinking being that the list view of what you're searching through is on the left hand side of the window. So why would you put the well, it's certainly search not true field the finder. to the far right? Sure, I, I get it, but it it just feels a little wasted space, and I just don't like the look and design of it. And then um, the the one of my, I think my biggest complaint is I'm a I'm very much a light mode guy. I like light mode. I don't like dark things. You cannot change the color of the sidebar. It's always dark. And even though I have, um, hmm. I oh, have it in point. I yeah. have it in light mode. The 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 sidebar is dark, and on MimeStream and on Mail, it's light, and I enjoy that much more <laughs> interestingly let's see what it does on ios i got it on my phone here well, if I ios open is up fine that sidebar yeah, yeah it, it's all light and no yeah. matter which column you're looking at on mm-hmm. ios mm-hmm. yeah i just find it frustrating I, I i just think the design of the mac app leaves a good bit to be desired and i use it because of the functionality okay and i it's one of those other things too where the design uh, issues recede into the background when you're using an application yeah, for sure. year over year but, but and they just don't the rock I, the boat too often. Yeah. It's just a thing that I use every day that every, every once I, or every day at some point during the day, I'd be like, it could be better. This could be better. Let me design yeah. it, please. 
So, so when I went field testing a few other alternatives in the last couple, uh, I'd say about last six weeks, I was looking for, is there some kind of revolutionary design that's going to attract me away from the three column layout that Spark has, or is it going to be that the user friendliness of the Gmail app by Google is so interesting and novel that it really pulls me in or something, even though it's completely different. And there isn't a interface that is sucking me in. And the differences of a lot of these other apps being so different from Mail and Spark are so jarring that I have to think too hard to use the app. So, for example, the Gmail app, it is easy, it's user-friendly, but it's so, it's so uh, I want to say almost Android-like on iOS that it feels unnative. Kind of like you were saying that you know, what, some of the things you don't like about Spark, not the, with the rounded uh, icons and buttons, not feeling uh, Apple native enough. And um, the Gmail is so opinionated about its design that it, it's jarring to me. And I, I'm, I, this was one of the biggest hurdles I had for Adobe Photoshop over the years was that I, I'm a creative. And it, when I go to create something artistically, design-wise, that's a user, uh, you know, usually, usually I want to say like I'm trying to communicate messages to my audience with whatever I'm creating in Photoshop. I don't want to be figuring out new features. I don't want the interface to get in the way. And so over the years, I've tried to just stick to what I've learned uh, I can do and how I can arrange things in Photoshop and uh, keep them that way so that all the interface recedes into the background. I'm not thinking about where are things anymore and how do I pull off that effect. I find one way that I can get it done. And then uh, I, I, I settled on my ways 20 years ago. And then the new kids uh, on the block are using Photoshop and saying, oh, do you know how to use masks? And I'm like, no, how do you do that? And they're like, it's so easy. Look at this thing. And, and they show me how they use masks. And I'm like, whoa that's actually technically complicated. You have to think about what you're doing. <laughs> and if you rearrange it the wrong way, you're going to break your art, um, which gets in the way of thinking creative. Like I think the technical brain power is antithetical to getting the juices flowing for creative work. So I, I'm just going to use the one way I already know. It's, it's a little bit old school for Photoshop, but it still gets the work done. And my results look better than a lot of the new guys that are still trying to master the technical aspects of Photoshop. And it feels the same way where I just want to be super communicative with emails. I want to be efficient. I want to be in and out of there. I don't want to miss important messages. I want to flag the things that are important and get uh, around to the to-dos and complete the work. And if the interface inhibits the, um, the, the feature set, it has less features than Spark. And so that it looks nice to the eyes but you have to think harder about how you use the app and it's it's a no go really and that was my problem with the gmail app was that it was just so different in the interface that it was like oh yeah how, it's like i'm walked into somebody else's t- 
town and they they design houses completely differently and you open them mm. up the door from the other side of the doorway you know that's interesting i you know i don't find gmail that different like it's it's a three pane view you've got your mailboxes your your messages and you know your viewing pane on the right and you click compose and it pops up a window you can compose in like i just don't find it that different so that's interesting but anyway yeah, it, 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 it's really like it, it, from the start to the finish of the day I want to spend a lot of time thinking about what I can contribute to my job or to my projects rather than thinking about how the tools are different from the tools I've been Mm. using day in and day out. So Edison Mail was intriguing, which Mm. is another alternative these days because it does look a lot more like the Apple Mail app and the Spark Mail app, but they have um, design qualities that are also unique to them. And so I thought it did look good. But this is one of the reasons why I'm not crazy about a lot of the various uh, to-do list applications that are also popular besides uh, Things 3 by Culture Code is that it doesn't have great uh, keyboard shortcuts. So I was kind of like, you know, it, it looks great. It works great. It's a little bit slower so when I was starting up Edison after it had been quit on the Mac, it just took a lo- little longer to get things going than Spark did. And But then uh, you brought this up, uh, that there was some sort of security problem. Well, and, and based on this, I'm, and I'm going to tell you why, but I recommend that you discontinue using the app and that you, del- you, you change the passwords of all your email accounts. So uh, obviously Spark um, and... Other applications do this too, but Spark has this concept of, you know, once you've set it up on this device, it'll be set up on these other devices. But the difference is you still have to enter your password on these other devices. The the uh, the app is still what connects and gets your email. It's not like it's not like uh, Spark. There's a some cloud server and it's acting as an intermediary, and so that it gets your email because you you know it's all out there in the cloud and you don't ever have to enter your password on different devices again. It's it's still every time you put Spark on a new device, you still have to sign into your mail account, each of your mail accounts that you have set up. Um, what Edison appears to be doing is. It is has it runs some cloud service that is authorized to get and store your mail, which would rule it out for me using it in my job, first of all. And they're not disclosing that, so that would be bad if I used it and I hadn't known, uh, and now I do know. And I know that Spark doesn't, which is another reason I'm just sticking with Spark. Um, but so they're storing the credentials or or... or OAuth tokens or something to log into your email accounts and store your email on their servers. And this bug that happened, when was this? This is um, back in May, I think. Yes, May of 2020. Sorry, so it was over a year ago now. But this bug exposed what they were doing. So the bug was they released a version of the app or something changed in the back end and people were seeing mail that wasn't theirs. Which is a great way for uh, security breaches to happen. And uh, I deal with uh, occasionally, I, I try not to deal much in it, but I'm in the health industry. And so I deal with government, governmentally restricted PHI, personal health information. Like there are laws about who can see what. And so this is really bad. If your mail is being stored on somebody else's server that you didn't know about, uh, and then it gets exposed through a security issue to other people. That's really, really bad. 
they should not be doing this. So I was interested in the app yeah. because it, it looks good, but this is this is just you, no, no. Well, <laughs> given that that came out in Lifehacker over a year ago, I'm really surprised mm. that Edison hasn't even been shut down for that right. reason. Or well, and, and maybe they've changed the architecture because clearly they were store they were storing mail on their servers in order for this to even happen. Uh, or but somehow store, or that, or storing place. your credentials on the servers and then sending your mail to the wrong person. Like, how is that? E- that shouldn't be possible. Your mail client should have a direct connection between you and your mail provider, and that's it. You, it shouldn't be going somewhere else. So th- th- that that was not not a good thing, and um, <laughs> yeah, I will I'll not. Say. I will not be using Edison Mail, and it's really unfortunate because I was interested in another competitor on the landscape. Now, if they could assure me that they don't, if they assure me, could they could assure me that they don't do that anymore? Maybe I'd be interested. But right now, as of right now, I am not. Yeah, what I don't want uh, to do either is use an application that doesn't have great keyboard shortcuts. So even if the security issue wasn't a problem, Edison has some keyboard shortcuts, but when these developers put out an app that only has, you know, some keyboard shortcuts, but not a lot of them in an email application, it breaks way too much of my muscle memory. And so if I'm even using Spark, I have to think about, do I want to alter the keyboard shortcuts so that they're more user-friendly or do I just leave them as their defaults? And I made decisions about what my customizations would be to my Spark keyboard commands uh, years ago when I started using the application. And I don't even remember what I changed. And it's been changed ever since and I'm just using the changed uh, changes. Hmm. So if I came across an addition of Spark that was back to the defaults, I'd have to rework it again and so uh when an edison mail application or another application comes into the my my use i have to relearn keyboard commands and that is it's it's like the ecosystem the ecosystem locks you in using uh apple's icloud online services kind of like locks you into using apple products only and uh, keyboard commands make you a great power user, but they also kind of lock you in if you don't want to relearn mm-hmm. too many shortcuts. Yeah, and that's interesting because I don't use keyboard shortcuts with mail. I, Fascinating. I yeah. Huh. It's all, I'll, I'll just go archive, 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 yeah. archive, delete, reply. I, like in that speed as I'm zipping through my inboxes, I love them that way. Hmm. So one thing that brought all of this up in the first place, TJ, was I was listening to all a bunch of other Mac Power users on another podcast, and they were talking about what applications are they using, how do they triage their email, and it, something that came up uh, between the folks that were discussing it was they used different mail apps for their personal email versus their business email versus their yeah, profit emails. I don't like that. And uh, amongst them, they all thought it would be crazy making if you were to try to use one application for all the emails. So weird. So weird. That's what I do yeah. with Spark. You know, I I use Spark for all of it. And so I, I actually doubted my sanity because uh, I value all these people's opinions very highly. And I think that they have some great workflows and they get good work done. So I was thinking, maybe that's why, what I do. I, I continue using Spark for some e- of the email accounts, everything to do with my job. And then I use Edison or the Gmail app or whatever for my personal use. So that's why I even ventured into this territory. One reason I'm not crazy about if I really stop to think about 
how I use Spark uh, is that you know how in the default, the way that Spark wants to be used, it wants to consolidate all of your email addresses and then present to you everything in smart mailbox uh, layout so that hmm. all the newsletters are in one place, all of the notifications oh, yeah, yeah. are the in smart, one yeah. place. I, so I always click classic. I do not want the smart mailbox. Exactly. Yeah. And so if you haven't used Spark, what we're talking about here is that you could have your workplace email address and your personal email address. And plus that other email address you use for you know uh, that side project and all of it will consolidate all the newsletters in one place and then the, all of the important emails into another list and, and, and not discriminating between your job, your personal and the other email accounts. It's all consolidated. Mm-hmm. And, and if that if that's insane. It seems yeah. like a very powerful feature if your life and all of your email were only about one thing, TJ, but who in their life only gets personal email or only gets business email and wants all of that organized for them that way. Yeah, yeah. I can't fathom it. So now that I'm I'm going back to Spark and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to I'm just going to be a little bit more deliberate here. I'm always going to drill down to I'm using my personal email yep, and I'm exactly only going to view it, the yeah. personal email at this mm-hmm, very moment. Mm-hmm. I'm not even going to look at the way that it wants to consolidate things yeah. for me. So I always keep, there's a little like triangle open close in your, so you have the main inbox, which is all of your inboxes, right? For all your accounts. And you have the triangle and you can go to each individual one. I always just keep that open and go to each individual one. It's because I, because I will either be in a work context or a personal context. I may want to switch over and check my personal real quick, but or my, you know, whatever. And an additional thing is on my personal uh, laptop, I can, I, I, I cannot have my work email on anything but my work laptop. So, um, this is only the, the multiple accounts in Spark only applies to my work laptop. On my personal laptop, on my personal computers, I only have my own account. But when I'm in on my work laptop, I do just, I'm either looking at my work email or looking at my personal email. But as far as like interacting with them, I, I want all the features of Spark for both. So I use Spark. Yeah. And, and and maybe primarily, I think a lot of people, they use email more the way Gmail wants you to use it, which is it's just a big soup. Like I know people who have never archived an email in their life. It's just all in their inbox and they search if they need to find <laughs> something. And, and it's, that's the way mm. – That's uh, so this is the way the world is going. I think it's a terrible trend. I think it's a bad idea. Did you read the article? I may, I don't remember if I mentioned it on the show. I, I And I, oh, I'm mentioning it, so I need to dig it up and put it in the show notes, I guess. But it may not be there because I don't even know if I can find it. But there was an article about how uh, younger people are using computers. And some of these people were – you know they would try to take computer science classes and they – what a, a folder? What's that? Like they did, like cause, because Google Drive and Gmail and all this stuff, Gmail, like they do have organization, but they call it tags, you know, which I still think of as directories or folders. I do like that you can have a, an email, multiple of them, but that's beside the point. Yeah. I don't even, I, now I will admit, I don't put things in, in tags or folders anymore. I just archive them. But I don't have all them all in my inbox. The way I uh, the way I behave now is if it's important and I, need, and I can't reply to it right now and I need to act on it later, I send it to Todoist. I'm in inbox zero, but I send I put it in Todoist and then I organize that. But but the idea that that you don't have directories or, or anything it's it's crazy making and I think it's a terrible trend and that's the way we're going is people think of their email as a soup 
and it, what's a director? How do you, oh, you just, you know. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a soup like Facebook itself or Twitter. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the way people conceive of things now. It's very, yeah, but very I, crazy. I do making. like your method. I, I'm going to adopt your method. I started in the last couple of weeks when you mentioned it to me, when we were talking about this a couple of weeks ago, I was like, you know, that is, why am I not doing that? Yeah. Well, and it, because, it makes so much sense. Because if you don't have a single source of truth, then you have multiple sources of truth and you got to go check them and find out where they're at. Oh, I think that one's in the email. No, Todoist is my source of truth for what I am doing at any given moment. Um, and I, I'm usually inbox zero. I have a couple emails in my inbox right now that I need to process and put somewhere, but um, I haven't yet. But those, those are not old emails. There's just a couple of them. <laughs> So uh, honorable mention here before we wrap it up, because this does look intriguing. It, remember what I said earlier about how if a new interface could suck me in because it completely rethought email and made it a more efficient and user-friendly experience and did something more novel that was cutting edge, I would be compelled to at least use that for my personal email and then see how, you know, if it really stuck and maybe after a couple of months, move my business email over to it. And one example that people are talking about nowadays is this email app in beta called MindStream. And it does look interesting. I just don't want to use it while it's in beta. Uh, I also want to know what it's going to cost when it's out of beta. Sure. That's, we don't know that yet. Yeah. So I, I have the beta. I, I always check in on it and I use it. And because, of course, my email is in a centralized place, I can use any okay, app. Okay, you know more about it than it. I do. It's a great app. I, it, it feels and looks like mail.app without all the visual bugs and without any bugs at all, really. But it does have a, pro, you know, I can't connect it with Todoist, so that's sort of a non-starter. It is only a Mac app. There's no iPad or iOS app. They talk on their website like maybe they would eventually do that. But until they do, it's also a non-starter for me anyway. Um, so I keep it around. I keep an eye on it because I like it. I want them to succeed. And, I, you know, but then the other issue, too, is, and, and this wasn't an issue until I started my new job, but um, MimeStream only works with Gmail. It works with the Gmail API, so it's very oh, well integrated. But it's only a Gmail client, um, which so I couldn't use it with my work outlook stuff um so well, that's a disappointment that's, yeah, yeah. I, I feel like maybe but but it's sort of been stagnant too like there's not been any developments so like are we ever gonna like are we gonna get where we need to be with this app because i want it to be because i love it it looks great and it functions in all the ways i want it to except that uh, there like it does need third-party support for like you could add uh, extensions to it for something or something like that for to do us but like i want to get it there because it is if this app had the Todoist feature and it were on iPad and iOS, I would be using it. I'd switch to it. It's a great app. Yeah, and it, like you said, if it would support more than just Gmail addresses, sure, I think it needs to do that too. <laughs> That's a non-starter. Yeah. Well, they're, they're, they wanted. I mean, they started. They made the app because there was even Mail. It, it works with Gmail, but it uses IMAP, and to really do well with. Um, Gmail, you kind of need to use the API because because it doesn't use traditional stuff. It, it's it uses um, uh, tags and it, all this all these features, you know, and stuff. You got to use the API. So, oh, one thing I didn't mention that I hate about Spark is search. Uh, I did. I guess I touched on it, but I didn't really describe yeah. my loathing for search and Spark. Uh, it, I very quickly have to go to the Gmail interface if I'm really looking for something because it's just terrible at search. MimeStream's better yeah, at search. It's not it as good. Too. It's not as good as the Gmail interface, but MimeStream is way better at search. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah that's been one of my 
uh, issues with Spark in general is that yes. it is tougher to use the search. But it's For not Gmail impossible, SysRuff. I don't know if search is part of the Gmail API, but I, if it were, I feel like on Spark, you could just, for searching a Gmail account, you could just tap into the API. So I don't know. Maybe it's not. Hmm. <sighs> anyway, because Gmail's well, search is so good. I told you we would spend the rest of our show on. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm glad we got this all out of the way so that the rest of December is not clogged up thinking about email applications anymore. Uh, I, I wasn't clogged up thinking about email applications, but okay. <laughs> I, I'm glad to talk about them, but... Uh, well, next week or next time, I should say. Um, so, so next time you're wanting to talk about read it later stuff. I, I may also add. Maybe it's a related topic. I, I mm-hmm. got a Kindle Paperwhite. Oh, so, cool! Yeah. yeah, we can talk a lot about the Kindle stuff. Mm-hmm. And any, and I'd also like to talk about like some of our favorite and most disappointing technology and lifestyle things of 2021. What we have to look forward to in 2022, looking forward to replacing things or improving upon things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have um, I have a little bit of stuff I want to talk about the Apple Pencil and uh, that I'm not too crazy about. <laughs> well, as our, our readers may have noticed or listeners, readers, it, it, there's a show I listen to that always calls you listeners, I, they, readers. I think, they come, yeah. I think that they come along just to read the show notes and yeah, they yeah. get the yeah. podcast as a bonus, yeah. right? The, thanks for reading the transcripts, everybody. Um, so the... Um, the listeners, I think, have noticed our recording schedule has been wonky. It's it's that time of year. It's just so much going on. I literally this week we were supposed to record on Monday normally, but I had an extra choir rehearsal because our performance is this Sunday. So and then we had our normal choir rehearsal on Tuesday. Of course, I have standing church stuff on Wednesday. I had an additional church thing on Thursday, and so it's just the, it's the time of year. It's just crazy. So yeah. Here we are recording on Friday night, December third. Uh, hopefully going to get this out, I, I guess, tomorrow, or maybe we'll release it Monday. I don't know. What do you think? Okay. Yeah, either way, anytime we have a good conversation is a good time to listen to the show, right? That's right. I think I'll put it out tomorrow morning. So well, after I get it edited tonight, I'll set up the CMS to, to post it tomorrow. So hopefully you'll be listening to this Saturday, December the 4th on uh, – we usually don't date our episodes, but, you know, whatever. So <laughs> Uh, that's the year 2021, by the way. Um, for, those, for, for those of you listening in the future, hello, by the way, future listeners. How how is the world in in in, in 2080? Uh, yeah, and flying cars and uh, Apple's tablet MacBook. <laughs> yes. Well, that's a show, um, Joe. Why don't you tell us a little bit about another show that you do? Yeah, I also produce the science podcast with Dr. Robert Carter right here at nightowl.fm. It's called Equinox. And we are going to have some fun Christmas topics for the month of December. Oh, good. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm partway through your, um, oh, what is the name? It's um, the In- Ig Nobel. Ig Nobel Prizes. That's what it is. Yeah. Uh, partway through that episode, but then I'll, I'll be honest, another podcast released an episode that I needed to listen to right away. So I, I bumped it up and I'm, I'm going to come back to that. But I'm in the middle of that. So it's a good podcast. I listen to it. So you should too. Uh, yeah. I don't have anything else to promote at the moment. So we're going to wrap the show. That's it for us this time. Stay tuned. Uh, keep your podcast apps tuned into our feed and we will release uh at least one more episode this month we we haven't talked about this yet joe and i but we may want to take a christmas break i don't know because i'm going to be doing some traveling i don't know what yeah, your schedule is like a joe, new year's but, break mm-hmm. you know that's the cool thing about podcast feeds is they just sort of stay there and when there's a new new episode it's like oh look i got a, a present in my podcast app so so keep your podcast <laughs> feeds locked into our channel our our podcast channel and we will give you some <laughs> content in the upcoming month 
Until next time, guys, have have a good have enjoy the enjoy the holidays. So I've just had the funniest glitches on my Mac lately. Yeah. This one just now was uh, wake up the wake up the MacBook. Everything's plugged in using a magic mouse, and the magic mouse is working, but scrolling is not. What? Yeah. Why scrolling? What'd you do to it, Joe? <laughs> Breathed on it. Mm. <laughs> Used to the keyboard. <laughs> I'm hmm, I'm frustrated with mice. I am back to the magic mouse. Um, I, I just feel like there's not the amount of precision that I want with mousing with the uh, MX Master 3. I can't tell if it's getting worse over time or if it's not as good with Monterey or I don't know. I can't tell. And it's not like a big thing. It's just like a little thing like, oh, that's just not quite just just little bitty like and I keep adjusting it and it just doesn't I can't get it where I want it. And so the magic mouse, the mousing is perfect. Uh, it doesn't ever stutter. It, it the precision is perfect the movement is perfect the way it moves is perfect and i really enjoy scrolling with the mm-hmm. magic mouse um the problem that i have with the magic mouse and this is i remember i don't remember which version of the operating system this was but i remember when i first got the magic mouse it mm-hmm. was it never there was never accidental scrolling and then there was an update a major update I, it might have been like el cap or something like that and all of a sudden the mouse had terrible accidental input. Like you just, because often you're resting your fingers on it and the page would just micro scroll, you know, just little, little bits. Hmm. And it does that, especially if you're trying to click, the page will micro scroll as you're clicking on something and then it'll scroll out from under your mouse. Oh, and that's huh. to this day, that still happens to me. And it never used to until I think, I'm pretty sure it was El Cap, hmm. El Capitan. And, and it's just frustrating and it's still doing that. And I'm just very unhappy with the mousing situation right now. My issues with the Magic Mouse are similar, but not the same issue. Just little nitpicks, like uh, I don't like the way it feels holding it in in my hand. And sometimes oh, I, when I'm, I agree. Yeah, sometimes when I'm scrolling, like my skin sticks to it r- wrong, and so it's not got the friction that it wants. So, like sometimes it doesn't scroll at all when I go up and down, and then usually it does. But like sometimes I go to scroll and nothing happens, and then I have I to had that. do it again. I had that. Yeah, but I, I completely agree that the ergonomics of the mouse are terrible. I like the ergonomics of the MX Master 3. Um, so I, I just, I'm frustrated with mousing and the mousing experience. Mm. And Apple just needs to make a good ergonomic mouse that rejects, yeah. that either uses physical buttons like the MX Master 3 or rejects accidental, like it's clearer if you're trying to click, it don't, you don't need to be scrolling around under me. It's it's mm. ridiculous. It's a funny so thing that Apple is as design conscious as they are, even even with or without Johnny Ives' involvement in the last thirty years, has not been interested in ergonomic devices. No, not at all. They're not interested in that at all. While a lot of other you know the hardware makers are interested in providing ergonomic alternatives. In their but so. but but they're they're. Be- so they're better ergonomically, but they're worse in usability. Yeah. Like the MX Master 3, it's just, it's, it's difficult to, to, I don't know. It, the mousing experience is not, like Apple, like the, the tracking and everything with Apple's mouse is just perfect. 
you know, mm-hmm. and yeah. I, so the, the trackpad, I, you know, I really enjoy the trackpad and it, uh, it, I, I never accidentally scroll with a trackpad. Maybe that's because you have to have two fingers on it to scroll and typically, but, but like, look, even when I'm, when I'm two finger clicking for a right, for a context click, it mm-hmm. doesn't scroll under me. So something is much better about that than the magic mouse. I just think Apple has, Apple messed up the, the firmware or the, the, the driver or whatever it is that the software that interacts with the magic mouse, they messed it up in LCAP and then never touched it again, I think is what happened. It's a similar situation. And this, I keep expecting to get fixed and it keeps not getting fixed. But with watchOS, which version are we on? Seven? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, we have so, the watch series seven, but I think watchOS six. I think. Okay. Let me, you know what? Let me, cause I may drop this after the show. Because I don't watch, think the number is the same. Watch OS eight. We're on watch OS eight. So when watch OS eight came out, the have you noticed this Dis, like when you swipe down and look at notifications if you want to dismiss one it's really finicky it 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 used to be a breeze just swipe it over and then click the ta- tap the x button now sometimes you try to swipe it and it acts like you've clicked on it instead you've you've tapped on it <laughs> and again this did not used to happen with watch os 7 now it does with watchOS eight, so it's a similar situation. Like it, tra- the 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 physics of how you touch and interact with it got squirrely, and Apple still hasn't fixed it. Hmm. It's really bizarre. I'm really, I think I'm really sensitive to those sorts of issues, though, because most people don't notice these sorts of things. Yeah, I, I'm. I usually notice because I'm using Premiere Pro and I'm scrolling horizontally, or mm-hmm. I'm trying to use the. Uh, the the Logitech mice for their buttons on the side to go forward and back on the Finder and the browser things like that. And I've tried, so I have a Magic Trackpad, like just the the standalone trackpad that you can set because because most of the time I'm at my desk and so the, the laptop is shoved up somewhere. You know, it's not I'm not using the laptop keyboard and trackpad. But I thought, well, I enjoy the trackpad on the laptops and I enjoy the Magic Trackpad. But the problem is. It feels wrong over off to the side of the keyboard. I don't like it. And, and it's, it's somehow ergonomically harder on my hand. Like, mm. it, it messes up my hand by the end of the day. Um, and I've tried arranging it like a laptop, but that really doesn't work because it's much higher than the keyboard, and it just it's not good. Mm. <sighs> I feel your pain. Nothing's perfect in hardware accessories, input devices. Have you noticed uh, Apple's homepage is uh, seasonal? <laughs> uh, they've done that for a while, sales. but I haven't looked lately. It, it's a new design. It's no, I've seen, I've seen this. I saw this one last year. Oh, okay. yeah, this is the same design as last year. I've seen these designs in their emails, just not on their homepage. Yeah, it's pretty Spartan, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It, it it looks like their Apple meets Pinterest design or something. Yeah, with all these flashy something. cards. 